Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth. This episode is called simply Observations. And here are 11 observations I've made. I don't want to be too grandiose and call them predictions. But here's what I'm seeing from my global community and from my own work. In no special order. First, remote rules. That is, remote has become a fundamental way of doing business for all kinds of organizations, and it's not going away. We resorted to it perhaps more than we were comfortable with during the pandemic, but post-pandemic, it turns out to be an efficacious inexpensive, reasonable way to do business. And there's no quality lost in most instances, whether it's coaching or it's speaking or facilitating or whatever it is. So we all better get used to this. And as far as your clients are concerned, leadership and organizations has to get used to dealing with remote suppliers and remote customers and remote employees and so forth. And that leads me to my second point, which is, I think those leaders are having an extraordinarily difficult time leading remote workers and leading hybrid workers. There is something lost when you don't have the social interaction, the socialization that occurs with people at the next desk or in the next cubicle. And consequently, you can never quite make that up just looking at someone from the torso up on a screen or what many people do is they substitute uh, a photo, a placeholder for the video being on. And by point of brief digression, when I'm doing workshops or group coaching, I require that everyone have their video turned on. I want to look in their eyes. I want them to look at me and I want them to look at each other. And I find it's rude to other people on the session if they do not. In any case, leaders are having an extraordinary time and leaders of all ages, this isn't generational, figuring out how best to work with people who are seldom or never in the office, and people who are often or always in the office. Supply chain changing is my third point. And by that, I mean this. We've been hearing till the cows come home that everything's a supply chain issue. I think it's often used as an excuse. But I'll tell you this. We are moving away from a global supply chain to a regional one. We're not going to be able to depend, nor should we, for example, in the West on China to provide chips or batteries or anything else. And so we're starting to build these factories here domestically, and we're going to see more of this among our friends. And so, for example, even in terms of uh, defense, uh, Japan has moved from a country that uh, was very, very heavy on pacifism post-World War II to defense forces, and now they're starting to build arms, navy, ships, and so forth, which are meant for offensive work. And we're seeing more cooperation, not only in NATO as a result of Ukraine, but in Southeast Asia with Thailand and the Philippines and South Korea and so forth. And even South Korea and Japan have a rapprochement uh, over the uh, damages claimed from World War II. And so we're having these grand alliances. We're going to see the same kind of alliances for products and services where we once relied on people globally who aren't exactly our best friends anymore. Next point, the old retirement rules no longer work. I mean, I think it's hysterical right now that Macron in France uh, is trying to move the retirement age from something like 60 to 64 or 62 to 64, something like that. And he's got 
he's got rabid protests in the streets. Now, you know, Europe has, uh, sorry, folks, but Europe has had a long history of sort of taking it easy. You know, the Germans take a month off and head for the coast every year and so on. But uh, retirement is an artifact. And I've been through this in previous podcasts. I'm not going to give you the math. But we're facing times where morbidity is outracing fertility. And so for the first time in a long time, the United States has more deaths than births. This has been true in Europe for a long time and it's starting to be true elsewhere. Even China right now is facing this problem because for a long time, they prohibited actually multiple births. You can do that in a, in a tyrannical society, tyrannical government. However, if you have personnel shortages, you need more people, not less. Now that means if the birth rates are declining, that you need immigration. You need intelligent immigration. In our country, at least in the United States, we're built on immigration. And so we need to understand that we have these uh, great, this great amount of talent and capability in people as they get older. We need to use it. We can't afford to insist on retirement at arbitrary ages or provide it when we shouldn't. Now, there are dangerous jobs like firefighters and police where they can retire after, I believe, it's as little as 20 years and in their 40s they have a pension. I understand that. But forcing pilots to retire at 60 or 65, whatever it is today, I think it's 65, when they might be at the top of their game is just stupid and the airlines are short of pilots. So the old retirement rules don't work and we ought to recognize that. Tourism is expanding and business travel is declining. Business travel is declining because of the remote alternatives that I talked about a few minutes ago, but tourism is exploding. People realize that they need to go out and do things and see things because you're never sure when that will be curtailed or even ended. So the hospitality industry hasn't been great in expecting it, but they've sure been great in raking in the profits right now. And so we're going to see the investment being made to accommodate this tourism and different investments being made to compensate for the lack of previous business travel and meetings and so forth in person. And let me talk now about the myth of the 40-hour week. If we refer back to the hybrid and remote employees I spoke about, one of the things that leadership is grappling with, which leadership should not be grappling with, is how to get 40 hours of performance out of these people. In an office where people are stationed 40 hours a week, you're not getting 40 hours of productivity. Nobody works that way. Fatigue sets in, distractions occur, firefighting occurs, all kinds of things. You know, Frederick Winslow Taylor was the first management consultant, and he wrote a book called Scientific Management. It's on my shelf over here, about 1912 or so. And he measured things. He was a time and motion guy, and he measured how long it took to process an insurance application on a shovel coal. His problem is that he fudged the numbers because he never accounted for fatigue. So at the end of the day, the shoveler could not shovel with the same speed that he was shoveling at the beginning of the day, nor could the insurance person uh, process as many insurance applications late in the day. So you don't get a 40-hour week, even though you've got people stationed for 40 hours. My feeling is you need a good 20-hour week. That is a productivity. And in most offices, even though people are there for 40 hours, if you're getting 20 hours of productivity, count your blessings. So when people are working at home with even more distractions and less direct supervision, 20 hours of productivity is just fine. Stop trying to create something that isn't realistic. And let me say for my consultant friends out there, there's a real consultant guilt, a real self-esteem problem when you find that you're not working 40 hours a week. Stop it. You don't even need 20 good hours a week. You need to do decent marketing 
and decent delivery for your clients. And that's what you need to do. In some weeks, that might be 12 hours. In some weeks, it might be 19. And maybe an occasion, it might be 35. But stop looking at an arbitrary and stupid metric. Most of you in the consulting profession and other professional services are refugees from large companies. And the difference is you left that company to go out on your own, and now you have a worse boss. Misinformation and politicized information is now the rule, and that's my next point. As I mentioned previously on my podcast, things like Facebook are just cesspools of confirmation bias, conspiracy theories, and really ignorance. And so we have to deal in our professions with the fact that some clients are either accidentally or willfully misinformed, and that politicized information will color how people think about things. They'll consider its source. They'll consider what the person's identity is instead of considering the truth. In the United States, we tend to get opposite presidents. And by opposite presidents, I mean that uh, Obama followed Bush and Trump followed Obama and Biden followed Trump. That usually occurs after an eight-year presidency, but now it's occurring even after four-year presidencies. And it'd be interesting to see who's nominated by both parties uh, in the next year and a half here in the United States. What I have noticed also is that the have-have-not gap is growing. It's not being ameliorated. And I'm not just talking about income. I'm not just talking about material possessions. I'm talking about education. I'm talking about opportunity. And I'm talking globally. And so I think we have to consider in every society how we help to close the have-have-not gap, how we have to help people, not by reverse discrimination, but through the community efforts and the good graces and the uh, faithful belief that everyone deserves help to get to a certain point, and we have to start providing that better and more. There's a coaching advising confusion that can undermine your income. Coaching, in my book, lasts for maybe 90 days, and I got that number because if somebody can't change something in 30 days by themselves, they need a coach. If somebody can't change something in 90 days with a coach, they need to do something else entirely. Marshall Goldsmith and I talked about this in the book we wrote together called Life Storming. And so coaching is generally for 90 days, and when you're working with an executive, you can charge a lot of money. I charge $35,000 when I coach a high-level executive per month, and it's usually for two to three months. But in coaching, you are proactive. You are seeking to improve certain behaviors, dealing with the media, dealing with evaluations, uh, dealing with the board, uh, making presentations, and so forth. Advising, however, can go on for a long, long, long time, because advising is a sounding board. It's reactive primarily, not proactive. And so your buyer comes to you, your client comes to you and asks your advice, asks you to be an impartial, objective judge on certain matters in his or her business. And uh, that might involve an occasional proactive suggestion, but uh, usually, for the main part, it's listening and responding. Advising is not as expensive, but it goes on for a much longer time. So for a high-level executive, you might be charging 10000 or 15000 a month, but that might go on for quite some time. I was an advisor to the CEO of Calgon for five years, for example. And then finally, I want to mention to you this. The more profound the weakness, the more profound the magic bullet. 
And what we're looking at now is chat GPT. And people, some people, are raving about this. It's going to take over. We'll all be enslaved to it. Uh, and uh, there, will, there will be no more need for uh, us to write anything. We'll rely solely on it. It'll replace Google and everything else. My feeling is this is prompted mainly by people who have trouble writing. And so we find that people who aren't good at something and don't have the discipline, the skills, or the talent to get better, they look for these artificial magic bullets so that they'll be brought up to a level of people who do have the talent. I think ChatGPT has a lot of potential in things like clarifying instructions and manuals and all kinds of things like that, giving us ideas for synopses and so forth. But it's hardly going to replace the uniqueness and the strength of our writing. I put the first paragraph of my book, The Consulting Bible, in it, and believe me, it did not do a very good job compared to how I can write, and that ain't gonna change. I'll tell you one more thing, though, as a subset of this before I, I sign off. In many schools in the country right now, and I mean many, and this was in the Wall Street Journal, the school boards are deciding not to teach cursive writing anymore. And for those of you who need to consult ChatGPT, cursive means writing longhand and writing letters uh, that are not block letters and not capitals. That's cursive writing. Now, people say, well, how will kids you know, sign checks? Well, the fact is, most checks don't need to be signed anymore. You know, I deposit checks on my iPhone. However, how do you write a sympathy note to someone? Do you informally type it and send an email? How do you write a birthday card or an anniversary card? How do you just write a note of thanks to people? And moreover, if you're talking to someone somewhere and they say, look, write down your address. I'd love to send something to you. How do you do that? And so how long does it take to teach cursive writing? A day, maybe? Two days? It certainly doesn't take a semester. But here we go again, you know? New math, a disaster. We need to go back to phonics in schools and teach kids the right way to do things and stop fooling around with things that, that are generated by some teachers' union which just wants an easier job for the teachers. And so I would recommend that if you can write cursively, and the great odds are that you can, retain the talent. Someday you'll be in great demand writing notes for people. Well, that's the uncomfortable truth. Thanks for being with me, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.